Father, I confess, Lord God, in and of myself, I am incapable of anything. But I thank you, Lord God, that there is a hope, Lord God, that maketh not ashamed. And because I have faith in Jesus, because I have faith, Lord God, in, in the redemptive work, Lord God, that was done for me upon the cross, Lord God, because I, I walk, Lord God, in commitment and faithfulness to His righteousness, Lord God, I thank you because of those things that I can do all things through Christ Jesus who gives me strength. I thank you today, Lord God, that this is the victory that allows me to overcome even my faith. And Father, I pray today in the name of Jesus that your word, Lord God, for Father, would come forth with clarity, Lord God, and would come forth with urgency. Father, would come forth, Lord God, doing, Lord God, what it was sent to do in the name of Jesus. And Father, I pray that you would give me not only urgency, but utterance, Lord God, to open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, and amen. If you have a Bible this morning, I want to share with you something that the Lord put on my heart from the, the book of Hebrews, the fourth chapter, verses 9 through 12. The book of Hebrews, chapter 4, verses 9 through 12. Hebrews 4, 9 through 12. And here's what it says in verse 9 of Hebrews chapter 4. You guys that don't carry a Bible, you need to start making a habit of doing that. Really, I'm serious. You need to, that needs to be urgent. It needs to be just like putting your shirt on. I see too many people that, that are believers that, that don't carry one and they don't carry even in their heart. And they find themselves undone and undressed. I really want to encourage you. Amen. Get you, uh, get you, keep it with you. Keep it close to you. Always know where it's at. Kind of like my wife when we leave the house and she doesn't have her, her jewelry on, her rings on. She makes me turn around and go back. I'll be halfway out. I said, honey, it's just jewelry. No, no, that means something to me. Folks, our word needs to be the same thing in our lives. So Hebrews chapter, do I want me to get on to you? Yeah, I do. Amen. I really do. Here's what it says in Hebrews chapter 4, verses 9 through 12. I say that because it says that his people perish for what? Lack of knowledge. Where do you get it? You get it from here. Therefore remaineth, there remaineth therefore a rest to the people of God. For he that has entered into his rest, he also has ceased from his own works, as God did from his. Let us labor, therefore, to enter into that rest, lest any fall, any man fall, after the same example of unbelief. For the word of God is quick. The word of God is powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even the dividing and sunder of soul and spirit and of the joints of the marrow. And it is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of a man's heart. Can anybody say Amen. Folks, if you think about some things just in the last few weeks and, and even the last few days, if you'll just watch the, the news and flip on CNN or look at the internet news sites, you can see that this, this world has literally been probably stricken with some of the most uh, calamitous uh, events in recent history. A, a cyclone has claimed the lives of, of over 100,000 people in what was once known as Burma. Millions, it says in the news, could still die as a result of a lack of food, water, medical assistance. And this ensuing threat of widespread disease due to the presence of literally thousands of corpses that, that are still littering the streets of this of this, this, this ravaged area. Yet there therefore remains a rest for the people of God. A powerful earthquake, you guys have been seeing this, claim the lives of, I don't know, tens of thousands so far in China and just months away from the, the Olympic Games that are going to be staged in that, that, that communist country and, and in this country full of, 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 of defilement and, 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 and antichrist spirit and human rights violations. And they're still extracting people, both living and dead, from that rubble of those toppled buildings. Yet, 
there still remains a rest for the people of God. What about here in the last few weeks in the United States? We had, we had forest fires that were burning on both coasts, just, just miles from us. We, we, we had tornadoes ripping through communities at, at such an alarming rate in the last few weeks. We've had earthquakes in the, in the Midwest and places they haven't had them in, in years. Yet, there remains a rest for the people of God. What about the political battles? Democrats jockeying to, to, to either put the, the first black American or the first female American into the role of commander-in-chief. And the, the Republicans uh, uh, have probably offered one of their most subdued challenges in, in, in recent memory. Yet there remains a rest for the people of God. Anybody fill up lately? Crude oil prices, gasoline, soared to all-time record highs. I believe last time I looked, $128 a barrel. No end is sign as the, the, the president attempts to kickstart this sluggish economy by borrowing billions of dollars and sending out in the form of an economic stimulus package and prices of everything from food to household utilities literally are strapping the resources of, of American families. Yet, therefore, remains a rest for the people of God. Just this last piece, this past week, what was it, California, which is our, our, our nation's most populated uh, 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 state, the, the, the Supreme Court issued a, a, a decision that, that opened up the door for, for, for millions of those trapped in the, the lifestyle and the abomination of homosexuality to, to mockingly fame the, the, the one human relationship in the Scripture that is called a picture of Christ in the church. They've legalized homosexual marriage in the most populous state in the United States. Yet, therefore, there remains a rest for the people of God. I read recently one in five American young women are said to have a sexually transmitted disease. And there's more black American young men in prison than there are in college. Yet there remains, therefore, a rest for the people of God. Liberal pastors, heretical theologians write books and pastor megachurches. And they preach a wide gate gospel that literally ensnares multitudes with seducing spirits. And doctrines of devils, yet I know what the Word says. There remains a rest for the people of God. We've seen polygamous cults with vast holdings. They're exposed for their abuse of children and the brainwashing, literally, of thousands of people in these demon-driven ideologies. Yet there remains a rest for the people of God. Television ministers are divorcing their spouses in, in record numbers, and they thumb their nose in righteousness. Yet they remain in the positions of leadership and they continue literally to siphon millions and millions of dollars away from the kingdom of, of God. Yet there remains a rest for the people of God. Hundreds of thousands right now uh, of sincere, I believe, yet deceived people are flocking to Florida. And they're tuning on the internet and watching it uh, by television. They're enamored by signs and wonders while never considering the anti-biblical beliefs of this so-called revival leaders that are leading these things in, in Lakeland even right now. Yet there remains, therefore, a rest for the people of God. You may be thinking to yourself, just as I've thought to myself, with all of these things happening, with, with all that I'm personally going through, with all the trials, with, with all the tribulations, with all these, these battles that are going, how can there remain a rest for the people of God? Folks, I don't know about you, but I, I hear these things, I see these things, there's, there's something that's troubling inside of my heart. 
When I stand out in front of a nightclub and I see children my, my children's age, I see young men that are my son's age, and I, and I see the defilement, I see the debauchery, and I see no urgency. When I stand there and, 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 and two young women walk up to me in their, in their 30s and they say, what are y'all doing? I say, we're praying. They say, well, well we're Christians and, and we, we, we just saw y'all over here praying and, and we've been in that, that club partying and, and we, we, we live in Tampa and we're just over here. We're married, but we're just having a few days. I'm troubled. When you see those things, when you, when you see people on, on television that are, that are saying that me and my wife, after all these years of ministry, we're parting, but it's, there's, no, there's no sin involved. I'm troubled in those things. When people don't care what the Word of God says because they don't read the Word of God, because they don't know it, and just because they're getting their quick fix on some type of, uh, uh, of, of spiritual antidote for the moment, that, that they, 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 they don't even know that there's, there's repercussions for those things. There, there's, I'm troubled in my spirit. When there's no holiness, when there's no righteousness, when there's no urgency for, for the things of God and no looking up for His redemption draws out. I'm, I'm troubled in those things. There's a righteous indignation that rises up inside of me when there's not the pursuit of His presence. When we're indifferent in prayer, when we're indifferent in worship, and we're acting like we're doing God some big favor if we give Him five minutes of time. I'm, I'm troubled with those things. Why? Because one day we're going to stand before a holy and righteous God and none of our excuses, none of our lackadaisical approach are going to hold a lie. And we're not even going to be opening up our mouth. Why? Because we're going to stand in the presence of the Almighty in front of His holiness. And one glimpse of His nail-scarred hands and the redemptive work and that memory that He did for us is going to convict us to the core. And He's either going to look into our life and He's going to say, Well done, my good and faithful servant. He's going to say, Depart from me. I never knew you. But there remains a rest for the people of God. Why? Because the rest of the people of God will never, folks, be determined by the latest headlines. It'll never be determined by natural uh, disasters. It'll never be determined by fallen ministers or, or rampant immorality. It'll never be determined by economic conditions or political turmoil or blind leaders of the blind or seminarian-trained soothsayers or broken marriage or rebellious kids or bogus revivals or even polygamous cults. The, the, the rest that remains for the people of God is not determined by what changes, but it's determined by that which is steadfast, by that which is immovable, that which is always abounding in the work of the Lord. It's going to be determined by this Word right here that's the lamp unto our feet. It's going to be determined by that, that Word that brings a peace that passes our understanding and our comprehension. If you're going to rest in the Lord, if you're going to have an assurance, if you're going to have a confidence, folks, you've got to get yourself founded upon that Word. Do you read the Word? Do you ingest the Word? Is the Word a part of your life? Is it something that you consume upon yourself or do you just make the excuse, well, I don't have time or I don't, I don't understand it? Folks, the rest that remains for the people of God is not swayed by what we see, say, or even feel because it has already been firmly planted upon the rock of ages and the foundation of righteousness. Think about what it says in Isaiah chapter 24, verse 4. Isaiah 24, 4, he tells us that the world will both languish and fade away. But there remains that which will never pass away. Folks, all your dreams, all your ambitions, all your opinions on things, they will languish, they will fade, they will pass with the moments. They will change just like you change a shirt every single day. But the Word of God says heaven and earth will pass away, but His Word will not pass away. There remains therefore a rest to the people of God, for he that has entered into his rest also has ceased from his own works as God did from his. Let us labor therefore to enter into the rest. And he said, let us do what? 
Let us labor to enter into the rest, lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. For the Word of God. Somebody say the Word of God. The what? The Word of God is quick, it's powerful, it's sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing either the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, and of the joints of the marrow, and it is the discerner of the thoughts and the intents of a man's heart. Folks, the rest that remains for the people of God will only be found when we make our dwelling place His Word. Folks, what's so sad, I meet people all the time that claim to be devout believers. They say claim to, to love God. They, they claim to know Him. But they don't even know what His Word says. You ask them, well, why isn't there an alarm going off when you hear this? Because they don't know the Word. You ask them, well, don't, don't you find a problem with what that person believes? Well, well, no, I don't. Because they don't know the Word. Why aren't you alarmed? Why do you think it's okay to walk in that type of compromise? Why do you think it's okay to live that way? Because they do not know the Word. David said, I have hidden. I've put His Word into a place of great care and of great value. For what purpose? So that I will not sin against Him. So I will not miss the mark of righteousness. So when that now time comes, when I stand before God, that I've hidden something inside of me. I've reserved a place in the innermost part of my being that's going to serve as that, 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 that distinguishing element that, that separates me from the crowd. I've hidden His Word in my heart that I won't sin against Him. Do you have the Word hid inside of you? Does the testimony of your life and your walk with Jesus say, yes I do? Or, is it, or, the, or, or have you hidden a, a, a series of cliches and analogies and, and metaphorical statements that you've picked up along the way? Or has the Word of God became true to you, line upon line, precept upon precept? 2 Timothy 2.15 says, study to show yourself approved unto God a workman that does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the Word of truth. Folks, I was standing out there last night in front of Razzles and Seabreeze and, and Pastor Craig was talking to a young man and one of his friends came up and it appeared that he might be kind of a distraction to this, this other young man that really wanted to, to hear. And so I just kind of got him off the side and I just started to talk to him and link and just, just chit-chatting with him just so he wouldn't interrupt this, this conversation that Pastor Craig was having with this young man about Jesus. And as I began to talk to him, it began to open up the door for me to witness to him. His name was, was Vincent. He's a young man that goes to college from New York City. He goes to college in Connecticut. About to enter his, his junior year. And I began to talk to him and he began to share about his background. He said, you know, I'm a Catholic. And I said, well, why is he Catholic? He said, well, that's just the way I was raised. And he said, you know, I don't really know anything about anything but that. And he said, but you know what? He said, when I was in high school, he said, my, my coach, my football coach was one of these, was born again. And he said he invited me to this, this, this sports camp with, with the FCA, the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. And he said, I went. And he said, that first day I went, he said, man, I want to run for my life. He said, because, you know, I'm a Catholic. He said, we just kind of go in and they do their stuff and we leave. He said, but these young people were standing up. They were clapping. They were worshiping. He said, they were actually involved in the process. And he said, that first day I felt very uncomfortable. He said, but you know what? The second day of the camp, he said, I found myself standing up. And singing the songs. He said, by the third day, he said, I look just like everybody else. He said, that next year when I got invited, he went back and he said, man, it was great. He said, the next year I went back. He said, then I went off to college and, and here I am. And I said, what are you studying? And he told me what he was studying. And he said, you know, i got to take a test in September. And he said, everything hinges. My future hinges on one test. So I backed him up a little bit. I said, Vincent, let me ask you a question. So have you ever read the Bible? 
He kind of paused for a second. He said, well, you know, I've, I've had it read to me and I've had it, you know. The priest, you know, told us. And I said, have you ever read the Bible yourself? He said, no, I haven't. And I said, you know, you're studying for this test. He's studying actuaries. Some of you, maybe mathematics know what that is, but some of you may not. He said, I'm studying actuaries. He said, that's what I want to see as a, a career. Why on earth anybody would choose that as a career? He said, but it all hinges on one test. I said, so have you read a lot on, on actuaries? He said, yeah, I have. I studied diligently. I poured over the material. He said, because I want to be able to go in and know what I'm talking about when I take the test. And I said, if you fail that test, I said, how are you going to feel? He said, I feel like my life is over. And I said, i got a question for you, Vincent. I said, one day you're going to stand before God. And I said, there's not going to be a, a second chance at an exam like there would for that actuary's test. And I said, you've never poured over the material of what God requires out of your life. I said, you've never thought of those things. And I said, you just think that you can pick it up here or there? I said, do you think that about this test? Or are you just going to maybe try to get it from osmosis or being around somebody that practices that or thinking about it? He said, no, I have to study. I have to put my nose to the grindstone. And I said, brother, the same thing can be said about a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Folks, why is it that we'll put more efforts in washing our car on a Saturday morning than we will on falling on our face and praying to God on a Sunday morning? You ever notice that? Why is it that we'll hoop and holler at a, at a football game of our favorite team, whether we're in person or watching it on television, when it comes time to, to, to worship God with a reckless abandon and worship Him, that, that it's just not the right time? Why is that, do you think? Why is it we can sit through a, a movie that's an hour and a half, two hours, whatever, it's pumping our mind full of all kinds of nonsense. But we seem to get bored when it comes to looking and studying the Word of God. Why do you think that is? Have you ever think about those things? I think about those things. I say, God, what is it that, that controls me? What is it that makes me tick? What is it that, that gets me put out with, with wanting to walk in holiness and right? Why is it that, want, that gets me not wanting to study for that one test? That, Lord God, I'm going to stand before you and it's going to be a now moment that you're going to look into my life. And I'm going to know what he meant when he says that God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, that shall he also reap. What have you sowed? What do you deserve from God? What is it that you've invested in him and your relationship with God? Where's it been founded? Where's it been built upon? There remaineth the rest to the people of God. Hebrews chapter 3, verses 16 through 19 says this. It says, For who, having heard ended up rebelling. Indeed, was not all who came out of Egypt led by Moses? Hebrews is asking the question, did everybody that come out of Egypt, were they led by the same voice and the same minister, the same deliverer? Did they all have the same choice? Absolutely they did. Do every single one of us here today have, have the same choice and the, and, and, the, and, the, and, the, and the same opportunity to serve Jesus? We do, don't we? We stand out on a street corner and you see hundreds of kids out there. Do, do every one of us have the opportunity to run to the same mercy? Absolutely. But you know the Word of God says that narrow is the way and few there be that find it. i got news for you folks. The biggest portion of people will spend eternity in hell forever separated from God. Is that okay with you? And it said in verse 17 of Hebrews chapter 3. Now with whom was he angry then for 40 years? Was it not those who sinned and whose corpses fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, but to those who did not obey? So we see that they could not enter in 
To where? To that place of rest. Because of unbelief. Folks, you know what's going to keep you from entering and not remaining? Therefore, that place of rest to the people of God? Your unbelief. You know what unbelief is? It's the opposite of belief. It is. If I believe, what am I built my belief upon? I built it upon truth. I, I built it upon the Word. I built it upon righteousness. But if I'm not investing belief into my life, you know all that remains is unbelief. Then he jumps down to the next verse in the next chapter of Hebrews 4. And he says, Therefore, since the promise of entering His rest still stands... What is that? The promise of His entering His rest still stands. Let us therefore fear that none of you be found to have fallen short of it. Fallen short of what? Believe. For we have also had the gospel preached to us just as they did. But the message they heard became of no value to them because those who heard it did not combine it with faith. What about you? Are you hearing the word and combining it with faith? Faith being the moral conviction of the truthfulness of God? Is there something that you're taking, what God gives you, and you're, you're receiving it by, by, by faith, and you're combining it with that to making it something potent, making it something powerful, making it something effective in your life? What did He tell us in Hebrews 4 again? He said, the word is quick. You know what it means to be quick? Because it means real fast, it's time to get over with. Amen, let's get home. Let's go eat lunch. No, it means it's alive. The Word of God is quick and that it's alive. It's powerful and it's, it's strong. And it's sharp and that it hits us on the inside. Since you know what I love about the Word of God? That every time I read it, there's something I can apply to me. Period. Every time I pick it up and say, Oh, you know what, God? I need that. Man, I'm so glad that you took that and you exposed that place in my life that needed to be... Lord God, that, that place of darkness, Lord God, that needed the, the, the sharpness of your word, the, the, the strength and, and, and the, the piercing effect, Lord God, to come in and reveal that darkness in my life. That's what I love about the word of God. But I want you to think about something, the Gospel of Matthew chapter 16. The Gospel of Matthew chapter 16, verse 13 through 19. It says, when Jesus came to the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked the disciples a question. He said, who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And some said that you're John the Baptist. Some say you're Isaiah. And others say you're Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. But Jesus asked them a question that I'm going to ask you today. Who do you say that He is? Who do you say that He is? Now if somebody follows you around all day with a hidden camera, out of sight, and they followed you around. Who would your daily walk say that he was? If you were on hidden video and somebody said, from the time you wake up, you're going to be under constant surveillance. And at the end of the day, we're going to view those tapes and determine who Jesus is to you. Would it be more fit for America's funniest home videos? Or to be the terror of the Lord that you persuade men. Who does your testimony say that He is? Who does your commitment say that He is? Does your life say that He's a part-time Jesus? Does your life say He's a sugar daddy Jesus? 
Does your life say that He's a white gate Jesus? Or does your, 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 your life say that He's a, a Jesus that demands that we deny ourselves, take up our cross, follow Him? Does it say that He's a holy Jesus, that He's a righteous Jesus, that He's a Savior Jesus, that He's a Lord Jesus, that He's a King Jesus, that He's a Master Jesus? And Simon Peter in verse 16 chimed up like he often did. He said, you're the Christ. You're the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, because flesh and blood has not revealed these things to you, but my Father which is in heaven. And he said to him, You are Peter. You are Petros, a little rock. But he said, Upon this rock, speaking of himself, Petra, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatsoever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Upon this rock I will build. I will edify. I will okoimoeo in the Greek. My church. I will establish something. I will build it up. I will uh, construct something. Upon what? Upon this rock. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God and the Word was God, right? And what happened that Word? That Word became flesh and it dwelt among us. That same Word is that same rock that's right there. Folks, listen. If the gates of hell are not going to prevail against you in any of this debauchery, any of this wickedness, any of this calamitous stuff that we're seeing, the only place it's going to be is when you find your rest in the presence of God. When you find your rest upon His Word. When you've been firmly established upon on, on the principles of this Scripture. When you've hidden the Word of God in your heart. When you've oh, uh, been a workman that needs not be ashamed. When you've studied to show yourself approved. Now think about what it goes on to say in Matthew chapter 7, verse 26 and 27. And He said, He likened in everyone that hears these sayings of mine and doesn't do them shall be like a fool which built his house upon the sand and the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon the house and it fell and great was the fall of it. Anybody that hears this and does not do it is like a fool. That did what? That built his house. What did he do? He built it. Looked like a house. Functioned like a house. It acted like a house. It looked like a Christian. It seemed like a Christian. But underneath the, 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 the superficiality, all there was is sand. There was no rock. There was no foundation. There was nothing to build those things up. And it says when the floods came, when the enemy comes in like a flood, when the winds blew and it beat upon the house, it fell in great was the fall of it. Folks, are you really committed to the Word of God in your life? Are you really committed to, to finding that place of rest? I see so many people that are all over the charts in their relationship with God. I see them, they're emotional one minute, they're down. You know what I attribute that to? That's just not knowing the Word. It really is. If you have a problem, if you're battling with bitterness, it's because you're not in the Word. If you're having a struggle in your, in, your, in, your, in, your, in your relationships, it's because that you're not genuinely in the Word of God. If, if you're having a pro- hard time hearing from God, it's because you're not in the Word. If you're struggling in, in issues of, of finances or whatever it is, I guarantee you the answer is right. You're, if you're not in the Word like you should be. 
Maybe you're, maybe you're, you're picking and choosing. Maybe you're smorgasbordin' it, just getting what you need. But I tell you what, if you begin to consume that word, the reason that you find yourself swept about and carried about to and fro by every wind of doctrine is because you are not in the word. The reason that you'll call things Jesus that aren't Jesus, the reason that you'll walk in compromise and think it's okay, the reason that you'll try to be as much like the world as you can and still believe that, that God's gonna allow you in the king because you do not know his word. What happened after Peter blessed, Jesus blessed Peter? I'll jump on down for you guys that aren't packing your, your sword today. Matthew 16, 21 through 24. It said, after Jesus told him all those things, blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, etc., etc. It says, then Jesus began to tell them, show his disciples how that he must go to Jerusalem and how he has to suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and raised up again that third day. Did that sound like good news to Peter? It sounded like bad news, didn't it? It sounded like the headlines that we talked about. It sounded like an earthquake in, in China. It sounded like a, 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 a tornado in the Midwest. It sounded like a, 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 a devastation in Burma. That's what it sounded like to them. And it says after Jesus told him what he'd have to go through, all these things, it didn't say that Peter said, that's okay, because upon this rock, you built your church. Peter say that? Did he say that to Peter? It says that Peter called him off the side and he began to rebuke Jesus saying, Be it far from you, Lord. This is not going to happen. But it said Jesus turned to Peter. He said, Get behind me, Satan. You're an offense to me. He said, You are more concerned with the things of this world than you are the things of God. And Jesus said to his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself. Let him take up his cross and follow me. Folks, listen, you can find yourself receiving and hearing all the blessings you want to. But I tell you what, when all those calamities start coming and they start hitting you, they will tell on you in a hurry. They will see if it's just a big talk testimony or if it's a now testimony that's going to stand the test of time. 2 Timothy 4, 2-5. Preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when men will not endure sound doctrine. That's the word. But after their own lust, their own desires, their own wishes, their own opinions, they shall heap to themselves teachers because they have itching ears. They'll turn their ears away from the truth, Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life, and be turned unto fables. But he said, you need to watch all things. You need to endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, and make full proof of your ministry. Why? Because he said in 1 Timothy 4, 1 and 2, the Spirit speaks expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, that place of rest and give heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of the devils. Yet, folks, there remains a rest for the people of God. Folks, listen. I don't get uptight over all these things that I see in the natural. I really don't. You know why? Because I know where my hope is. I know where my south. I know that this life is but a vapor. And that any of my plans in this world are just temporary. Because I know that there is a rest for the people of God who will stand upon that word because I know His truth. What troubles me is knowing that there's people that do not know it. And folks, I'm not talking about lost heathen out on the street corner. I'm talking about people within the body of Christ who their testimony of their life mocks the word that was bought with the blood of Jesus. 
But there remains a rest for the people of God who would dare call upon His name. Father, this morning, in the name of Jesus. Father, I thank You that the rest that remains for the people of God, where God is not a lazy slumber, Lord God, and a spiritual vacation. Lord God, but the rest, Lord God, for those that are in Christ Jesus, Father, is the safe house, Lord God, of Your Word in the midst of the storm. That when the earthquakes, Lord God, of this world come, there's a safe house in the Word in the midst of the storm. Lord God, when there's political turmoil and uncertainty, Lord God, we have a safe house in the Word of the Lord. Father, I thank You, Lord God, when, when, when crude oil and gasoline prices, Lord God, skyrocket, that we have a safe house in the Word of the Lord. Father, I thank You, Lord God, when we begin to look at these things and people are so caught up, Lord God, in the cares of this world, that we have a safe house and a foundation in the Word of God. Father, I thank You, Lord God, that when we look even at the condition, Lord God, and the plight, Lord God, of a, of, of, of a professing church, Lord God, that, 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 that draws nigh to You with their lips, but their hearts are far from You, Lord God, that we've got a safe house in the Word, Lord God, that we've got a strong tower that we can run to and be safe, Lord God. And Father, I pray this morning, Lord God, if nothing else, that Father, You would cause to rise up, Lord God, in each and every one of us, Lord God. An insatiable thirst and hunger, Lord God, after Your Word. Lord God, the time is rapidly coming upon us, Lord God, when that's all we're going to have. When markets fail, Lord God, and the economy crashes, when a $15 billion loan from China is not going to provide an economic stimulus package for our economy anymore, when OPEC shuts off, Lord God, their shipments of, of oil to the United States, When the liberals succeed in legalizing, Lord God, every type of filth and debauchery in our nation. There remaineth a rest for the people of God. And it's in the Word of God. And Father, I pray, Lord God, in the name of Jesus. That when them men that are seducing, Lord God, with seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, Lord God, would speak off the pulpits, Lord God. And they worship you in vain, Lord God. And they speak lies and hypocrisy. They open their mouths, Lord God, with great swelling words, Lord God, with the vain philosophies and rudimentary teachings of men, as your word says. Father, every one of those things, Lord God, that would seek to entice, Lord God, would find itself running up against the stopgap of Your Word. When men's minds race, Lord God, with lustful thoughts, Lord God, fueled by pornography, Lord God, they would run aground at the, the Word of Truth. When women would flap their tongue, Lord God, as serpents, Lord God, and gossip, Lord God, that it would run aground at the Word of Truth. When children, Lord God, would rebel, Lord God, and backtop their, their family and their, their parents, Lord God, they would run aground, Lord God, at the word of truth. When men would shortchange, Lord God, their, 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 their employers, Lord God, their employers, Lord God, their, their, their employees, Lord God, they'd run aground in the word of truth. 
And Father, we look at a lost and dying generation, Lord God, and we would not be moved with compassion that it would run aground with the word of truth. And we'd be self-seeking and self-serving and self-indulgent, Lord God, that those thoughts and those feelings and those actions would run aground, Lord God, at the word of truth. Father, we'd fail to warn the wicked from the wickedness of their way. It would run aground at the word of truth. Father, let us find a rest in you. Not a rest that causes us to stop, Lord God, but a rest, Lord God, that causes us to be revitalized and empowered, Lord God, for the battle ahead. Father, I thank you today that my rest is in Jesus. And my rest does not mean a rest. It doesn't mean, Lord God, that I'm stopped in my tracks, Lord God. It means that I'm strengthened day by day and I'm empowered, Lord God, by the blood of Jesus that was poured out for me on the cross called Calvary. Father, I thank you, Lord God, that my rest doesn't say no, it says go. I thank you, Lord God, that my rest, Lord God, comes with fire and with truth and with holiness, Lord God. Father, I thank you, Lord God, that the rest that the people of God have, Lord God, Father, is not dependent, Lord God, upon public opinion, Lord God, or whether my best buddy, Lord God, agrees with me. But, Lord God, it's founded upon a biblical principle, Lord God. It's founded upon the the word of of truth, Lord God, as I remain steadfast in the apostles' doctrine. Father, I thank you, Lord God, that my rest, Lord God, is not uh, dependent, Lord God, on what I see, Lord God, whether those things be miracles, signs, and wonders. But my rest, Lord God, is in that, Lord God, that will not pass away. Father, because the word says, Lord God, whether it be tongues, they shall cease. Whether they be prophecies, Lord God, they come to an end. The miracles, all those things will come to an end, Lord God. But I know, Lord God, there's one thing. Father, we'll stand the test of time, Lord God, when heaven and earth passes away. And it's that word. And I thank you, Lord God, that therefore is a rest, Lord God, for the people of God. And it's on that word that's hidden in our hearts and minds. And Father, that same word, Lord God, that same rock that you said you'd build your church, your bride. Father, it's going to be that empowerment, Lord God. It's going to be that strength in that moment, Lord God. Father, when men should revile us and persecute us and speak all evil and evil manner, Lord God, against us falsely, Lord God, even as they did the prophets who were before us. And Father, we'll be able to stand up, Lord God, in the name of Jesus and say, Behold, it is written. Father, I thank you, Lord God, that you uphold all things, Lord God, by the word of your power. Cause us to enter into that rest of righteousness, that rest of urgency, that, that, that rest, Lord God, of holiness. Let us not back down or cower back or draw back, Lord God. Let us not make excuses. Because it's the wicked that flee when no one pursues, but the righteous are as bold as the lion. Cause boldness to be birthed out of the Word. Father, I pray for everyone, Lord God, that's gathered here today. Lord God, those that are even with us. Father, through our live feed. The good news is, Lord God, is the Word is a... It's quick. It's powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. And the Word is discerned the thoughts and intents of a man's heart. Lord God, I thank you that... We only have to go as far as the Word, Lord God, to test things. 
Whether it be our life and testimony, Lord God, or whether it be some proposed movement. That, Father, we've got a word, Lord God. Father, that will sift and strain, Lord God, all those things are not of you right through. And, Father, I pray, Lord God, for my brothers and sisters in Christ here this day, Lord God. And I pray for mercy, Lord God, for those that have not been faithful to your word. Those that have got by with gifts and talents, Lord God, or some bogus, Lord God, walk up an aisle, Lord God, with no transformation. I pray for mercy today. I pray for mercy that will bring a transformation in the now moment in every single one of us, Lord God. Because of your word. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen and amen. You guys want to say this? Make your, 